again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. Upon finding a pearl of great value, he went out and sold all that he had and bought it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. What is the value of the kingdom of heaven, and what is the cost of discipleship? Two questions that we consider as we look at two parables today, two very short parables, one dealing with a treasure in a field and the other a pearl of great price, all speaking to us about the urgent decision that we must make, the decisive action that we must take in order to respond to the words of our Messiah. What is he saying to us? Well, we'll consider that in just a moment. As we looked last week at the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin, again, Messiah was calling us to decisive action. As he calls us into a ministry of reconciliation, crying out to humanity, you are lost, but you can be found. And the beautiful thing is, is that when Messiah calls us into this ministry, as he commissions us in the Great Commission, we don't have to be of a particular financial or social standing. We don't have to be scholars. We have to care for those who are lost. We have to be willing to search and seek and find and rejoice. And as we looked at the parable of the lost sheep, Messiah was speaking, of course, to those who could afford to have a hundred sheep. And even though they had much, they still sought after that one lost sheep. And of course, we are responsible to seek for the lost as well, as he desires that none would perish. And in the parable of the lost coin, Messiah was speaking to the poor, those who rejoice over finding their their day's pay, that which they needed to survive, and they invited their neighbors to rejoice with them. And how much more should we rejoice in the reconciliation of sinners to the Lord, that we join in that great chorus of angelic praise and rejoicing when a sinner is restored to the Lord. So all of us, all of us who are in Messiah are part of this ministry of reconciliation and we're responsible to seek and be part of that commissioning of teaching and discipling as the Lord reconciles those he has called to himself. So let's consider the cost of that, the price of that, as we look at two parables once again, found in Matthew chapter 13. I'll begin reading in verse 44 and conclude in verse 46. The kingdom of heaven is like, so we're seeing a comparison, a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, And because of his joy, he goes out and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. Upon finding a pearl of great value, he went out and sold all that he had and bought it. When we look at these two very short parables, these are actually quite familiar uh, storylines. The idea among those who were 
um, poor, those who did not have a lot of means of finding a treasure? What would they do if they found a treasure in a field? What would they do if they found something of great value? They understood the search for pearls and the various seas that surrounded them. And so it's not an unknown uh, storyline, but what Messiah is leading us to causes us to, again, make a decisive action, understand the value of God's kingdom and ultimately what the cost of discipleship is. So, in these verses, we read of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, and quite often these are taken into ethical considerations. Is what the character doing here really ethical? But that's not exactly what Messiah is concerning himself with. He wants to relate the value of God's kingdom and how they go about, and we'll consider this in more detail in just a moment, how the person in the parable goes about securing uh, that thing of great value. So, in kind of a classical uh, Christian interpretation, there's an emphasis placed on the Christological meaning of the parables. As if you look back into the early church writings, <clears throat> you'll find that many Gentile leaders in the church assume that the treasure was Christ and that Christ was passed over by the Jewish people, remaining hidden, and now that treasure has been revealed to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles have taken advantage of that uh, treasure that had been passed over. We find that in Origen, who um, looked at this allegory uh, and took it a step further, you know, the field representing the scriptures and the treasure Christ and Jews having rejected Messiah, uh, the treasure now has passed on to Christians, to the Gentile world. But what Origen's approach does is it erects of a barrier between Messiah and the Jewish people and strips the Jews of their inheritance. So, it does a, a lot of damage to the meaning of the parables themselves, but also to the uh, the Christological hope that is placed and set in the Word of God. And uh, if we read Romans uh, 9, 10, and 11, the hope that Paul had for his brothers after the flesh. So, there can be little doubt that Origen and many of the early church fathers placed Messiah as the central figure in their understanding of the parables. Uh, but when we look closely at them in light of their meaning within Jewish culture and theology, and in that context, we understand them to be meaning and emphasizing something different. And that's what we'll consider. Messiah never intended uh, for us to understand him as the central figure of these parables. Neither did he intend the parable to teach that the Jewish people had been disowned or disinherited from the promises of the living God. The meaning and the message of the parables are kingdom-centric. Messiah is attempting to help us understand the real value of the kingdom of God. What is the real value of the kingdom of God? So, it's a kingdom parable. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So, Messiah is emphasizing the value of the kingdom. And again, as we'll see in just a moment, the cost of discipleship. So, when we think about this in terms of history, um, Dr. David Flusser 
understands the selling all aspect of these two parables as an allusion to seek first the kingdom, which means that um, by seeking first the kingdom, all other physical needs, of course, will be for the disciple will be provided for, will be taken care of. So, selling everything to enter the sovereignty of God was worth the risk. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things shall be added to you. So, he sees in this, Dr. David Flusser was um, a prominent scholar, an expert on first century uh, Judaism, uh, the second temple period. And as he is reading, he's also a, a, a wonderful uh, New Testament scholar, but he was not a, a believer in the Messiah. So, he sees the selling all as that allusion to seeking first the kingdom of God. Lay aside all for the kingdom. And what do we receive in return? It's of inestimable value. We cannot actually place a monetary figure on the value of God's kingdom. And that's troubling to not only modern ears, but also the ears of history. Because we want to monetize, we want to set a financial value on things because we want to know how much should we value this? How much should we value this? You know, um, my wife and I went to, um, shortly after we were married, when we were um, kind of looking for furnishings for our first apartment and ultimately what would be um, in our first home together, um, we would go to yard sales and of course uh, garage sales and yard sales uh, are are uniquely american thing and as we were walking around we were looking for particular items you know end tables or you know knickknacks type of things that we needed for for our new life together and uh, as we left one yard sale this one the lady that was running at her home she saw us leaving having bought nothing and she came running after us yelling what no treasures no treasures and we kind of looked at her, you know, a little, because it was very dramatic. Um, but there was, you know, in this, you know, the setting of what essentially was items she no longer wanted. We usually put the things that we don't want out for the yard sale if we're having one. She, you know, knew that we were looking for a treasure, but we didn't find it. So we were looking amongst the the discarded items, treasures for our life. So that that you know, as I think about these parables, I, I reflect back on that one instance where she knew we were looking for treasures and we did not find it there. So the value of things, we want to set a value. How much is this worth? Something that may look absolutely worthless to us may be something of tremendous value for something for someone else. And Messiah is emphasizing that the kingdom of God is everything. There is nothing of this creation that can compare to it in value or importance. So, let's consider just quickly uh, an aspect of this, which happens to be um, the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. If we look at Mark chapter 10, I'll begin reading in verse 17. 
In Yeshua, Jesus was setting out on his way. A man ran up to him, falling on his knees before him and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Yeshua said to him. No one is good except one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not commit false testimony, do not cheat, honor your father and mother. The man responded, Teacher, all these I have kept since my youth. Looking at him, Yeshua loved him and said, One thing you lack. Go, sell as much as you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But at this statement, the man became sad and went away grieving, for he had much property. Then looking around, Yeshua says to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Yeshua answered again and saying to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more astonished, saying among themselves, then how can, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Yeshua said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So the cost of discipleship, the cost of following him, Many have taken this uh, to mean that disciples can't have possessions, but that's not what Messiah is teaching us. Messiah explains that after the rich man departs, how hard it is for those who trust in their riches, who trust in something other than the kingdom of God to enter into it. So, as we see in Luke chapter 12, 33 and 34, sell your possessions, give in kindness, Make yourselves purses which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief can come near nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. So, where is your heart? What do you value? What do you value more than the kingdom of God? What value do you set on the things that are around you? So, in the parable of the hidden treasure, a man found the hidden treasure. Then he sold all that he had in order to purchase the field where the great treasure was. So, this was a an idea or a story that was well circulated, um, but it was often used to you know, bring a, a hopeful joy to people that maybe they would one day find something of great value and become rich and so on and so forth. But Messiah is likening again this scenario to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like unto. So, he's not using it as an ethical uh, dilemma. He's using it as a theological uh, valuation of how Nothing in creation can compare to the value of the kingdom of God. In the parable of the pearl of great price, the man was seeking fine parables, but instead he found <laughs> fine pearls, but instead he found one that was worth all that he had to purchase. So one pearl was worth everything that he owned, and he 
sold everything he owned in order to purchase that one pearl. So Messiah is using powerful word pictures that people can easily relate to in order to express that the kingdom of God is worth all that a person has and so much more. It's worth even our very lives. The kingdom is therefore expensive. And disciples of the kingdom through Messiah must be willing to surrender all for the training for regarding, uh, regarding the kingdom of heaven. The cost of discipleship, the cost of learning is secondary to the value of the kingdom itself. See, a life of sacrifice is the beginning of discipleship. It's not the end result of it. And that is what is being underscored here. The value, the value in the life of sacrifice that Messiah has called us to is not the end result, it's the very beginning. So, right from the start, the expectation is set high that you will value the kingdom of heaven above all else. Bonhoeffer said this, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. Still, I would submit to you that the exchange is well worth the sacrifice. So, do we see a theme anywhere in historic Jewish teaching regarding this? Well, we do find um, some Talmudic uh, stories that are similar to what Messiah is teaching us. So, I'll read of uh, Rabbi Jonathan. And the story is uh, follows in this way. Rabbi Jonathan was going on foot from Tiberias to Sepphoris, accompanied by Rabbi Chaya ben Abba. As they passed a certain field, Rabbi Jonathan said, This field used to belong to me, and I sold it so that I could devote myself to the study of Torah. They came to a vineyard, and Rabbi Jonathan said, This vineyard used to belong to me, and I sold it in order to devote myself to the study of Torah. They passed an olive press, and he said the same thing, and Rabbi Chaya began to weep. Why are you weeping? he said, he asked. He replied, I'm weeping because you have not left anything for yourself for your old age. And he said to him, My son, think you so little of what I have done in selling a thing which was presented after six days, as it said, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth. But the Torah was given after forty days, as it says, and he was there with the Lord forty days. And it is also written, Then I abode on the mount forty days. When Rabbi Jonathan was laid to rest, his generation applied to him the verse, If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, for the love with which Rabbi Jonathan bore the Torah, he would be utterly contemned. He would be mocked. He'd be scorned. So the disciple of the Torah is expected to minimize his or her efforts in business, go on a little sleep, um, develop a kind of strong character and quality of character that would lead to a better understanding of the, of the word of God itself. So, if this is true of a disciple of the Torah, a disciple of Moses, how much more is it true of those devoting themselves to being a disciple of the Messiah and his kingdom.
So a comparison between the two, the Torah and the kingdom. The Torah was to the rabbis the pearl of great price. It contained, as it were, the kingdom of God within itself. It was a revelation of God's kingdom by studying and serving the Torah, by practicing it, by fulfilling its laws. The Israelite both accepted and took upon himself that glad yoke of the kingdom. He widened the range of the kingdom. And in the eschatological eschatological sense, he brought the advent of the kingdom nearer. So, studying was, and still is today, understood to be a way for the Jewish people to draw near to God. It's viewed as a sacrifice for the sake of heaven. And in both parables that we've considered, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, the characters must make a decision. When they behold that thing of great value, they must make a decision. The decision has been placed before all of us as well. All of us as disciples of the Messiah throughout time have to make a decision. How much do we value the kingdom of God? What is the cost of discipleship for us? We evaluate that by looking intently upon what Messiah has presented to us, what Messiah has done for us, what Messiah has promised for us, what Messiah has gone to do for us. And not all of us will find some great treasure out in the field. That's not what we set our hope on. And that was the twist in this parable that that many of the poor people that were listening would go, yeah, I'm familiar with that story. I want to find that treasure out in that field. I would sell everything I have to take possession of that field and take possession of that treasure. I would do that. But Messiah is not telling us to set our heart on the earthly treasures, the earthly, the things of earthly value, but the kingdom of God itself. So it demands a decision on our part. Just how much are we willing to sacrifice to be his disciples? How much are we willing to sacrifice to be his disciples? So that that thought, that idea, the cost of discipleship is the very heart of these two parables. What do we value? What do we value more than the kingdom of God? What are we willing to sacrifice for? What are we willing to let go of? What are we willing to take hold of? And are we willing to trust him above all else, to value him above all else, to know that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is of inestimable value, greater than the value of all two trillion universes? That is the question that is before us. So it demands a response on our part. He is again expecting us to make a decision and to look at our lives slightly differently than we looked at them before we heard these parables. So friends, I hope and pray that something in this study today was of value to you and that you found something that was meaningful and that was helpful to you to understand the nature of God's kingdom, the value of it, and also the cost of discipleship. So I thank you for listening and being part of this podcast. And next week, we'll look at more parables in order to help us to 
understand God's word and the urgent response that Messiah is expecting from all of us. So until then, may the Lord bless and keep you all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.